You are listening to the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Centers, Pastors Scott and Tina Witwam. Talked about. So go with me to Hebrews chapter 7, verses 20 through 22, as we talk about our covenant again. This is lesson 10, and we're going to try to cover two, the last two topics, wealth and legacy, today. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 20 through 22, and it says, Inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, speaking of Jesus, for they had become priests without an oath, speaking of the Levites, but he with an oath, by him who said to him, The Lord has sworn it and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety, a promise of a better covenant. Father, we thank you for the covenant that you established. I thank you, Lord, that it was established based upon you, upon your promise, upon your ability, and flows to us who will receive, who will act upon, who will take the opportunity to covenant with you. And as we look at your covenant again today, Father, we'll be sure to give you all the praise, honor, and glory for what you have done. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So covenant, we're going to talk about covenant again today. So from Webster's 1828, it says, A covenant of works is that which is implied in the commands, prohibitions, and promises of God, or the Bible. It's the promise of God to man. That man's perfect obedience should entitle him to happiness. Think about that. God gave us his word, the Bible, and that if we're obedient to it, to it, it entitles us to happiness. If we do what it says, we receive life. But if we reject what it says, we receive the effects of death. See, the covenant of redemption is a mutual agreement between the Father and Son respecting the redemption of sinners by Christ. See, when we receive Christ, we enter into that covenant with God. A covenant is the highest form of agreement. It relies equally upon the terms as it does upon the ones who instituted. In this case, we're speaking about the person involved, which is God, when he said to Abraham, I'll make a covenant between me and you. Thank you, Jesus. God is the most serious covenant maker. He backs his covenant by his integrity. Therefore, a person, through obedience, through their action, can use their faith to covet with God. And they are open to the covenant promises or the blessing of God. Isn't that awesome? So two covenants, we're we're talking now about the new covenant, about the blessings in the new covenant, but we can't reject the the blessings in the old covenant because the old covenant blessings are still ours. We just have a covenant that is better. Why? Because it's no longer under sin and death. It's a covenant of life. And we're talking about five different covenant benefits that we find in the new covenant. The first one we talked about was the spiritual benefit, which was salvation and the relationship with the Holy Spirit. The second one was peace. The third one we talked about was health and healing 
And today we're going to talk about wealth and legacy. See, the new covenant was required because mankind did not do what God had previously instructed. So Jesus brought mankind the gift of the new covenant to reconcile again man to God and to God's blessing. So once again, before we discuss these five covenant benefit areas of life, let me ask you these questions. Since it is true that our covenant surpasses political change, social change, societal change, and economic change, what action did you take this week to impact the life of someone else with the gospel? How has your relationship with the Holy Spirit affected not only your life this week, but the life of someone else? See, we were not given this great covenant. We were not given the gift of salvation. We were not given the endowment of power by the Holy Spirit just to use it for ourselves. We're supposed to interact with the world. We are told to go into all the world and make disciples. So what have we done with this great gift that God has given to us? Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time today on either wealth or legacy. We're going to, we're going to cover them both today. And the reason is because we just spent 23 weeks on the topic of prosperity. Much of, it's, much of the wealth uh, that we're going to cover today was covered under that Supernatural Financial Prosperity series. And we spent seven weeks talking about legacy. And the neat thing is that you can find all of our services online for free. We don't hold anything back. The Word of God is powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Why do, I want to, why do I want to keep that back? I want to send that out. I want it to bless people. Amen? So let's talk about wealth. Let's go back to Webster's, and let's make sure we're talking about the same thing. We're, we're talking about wealth from the same perspective. Under Webster's, it says it's an abundance of value. An abundance of something of value. So one, material possessions or resources. Number two, all property that has a money value or an exchange value. And number three, all material objects that have an economic utility. So when we're talking about wealth, we're talking about things of value. See, God wants his church to have things of value. Because you know the people who have the greatest influence are the people who have the greatest wealth. And there has never been probably a better time in history to have an example of that. Look at the huge media companies that have the great amounts of money. They're the ones spending their own narrative. Their own societal narrative, their own social narrative, their own economic narrative. Look at the politicians who have great amount of money. And the influence that they have. Look at the businesses who have great amount of money. Uh, look at companies like Amazon, Facebook, and, and those kind. When they disagree with something, they literally stop the voices being heard. So God wants His people to have wealth. Why? So that they can communicate. They can get the message out. You know, we in America have experienced a, a real time over these last 100 years, maybe 120 years, where we've had incredible freedoms. 
the ability to go anywhere, do anything we want to do. But church, what are we going to do if they say, well, no, if you're taking a message of hate like the Christian Bible says, we're not going to let you get on an airplane. We're going to put you on a no-fly list. How are the missionaries going to get to where they're going to go? What if they say, hey, that no, preaching the gospel is a message of hate. We're going to take you off all of the social platforms. We're not going to allow you to speak that, that over the internet anymore. How are we going to get the message out? Again, it's important that the church have wealth so that we can continue to get the gospel out and we can continue to have influence. For some reason, the church over the last 120 years has been more focused on being nice than they have on building the kingdom. Jesus was nice, but the Pharisees didn't think he was nice. The Sadducees didn't think he was nice. None of that religious people thought Jesus was all that nice. In matter of fact, he was in their face, blunt and to the point. He told the truth in love, and they didn't like it. Well, I can tell you that our political leaders do not want to hear the truth in love. The large corporations don't want to hear the truth in love. They want to silence so that they can gain their economic advantage. Amen? So go with me now to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Genesis 2, 15. We might as well start in Genesis. It's the first book in the Bible. And it says, Then the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Now think about this. God created the heavens and the earth, and he created the earth specifically for mankind, and then he created this place called Eden, and inside of Eden, he puts this garden and, and that has Every uh, plant in it that, that, that is needed, it's self-replicating everything we're producing after its own kind, and then he sticks mankind in it. Everything that is needed. Everything that mankind needed for life is there. What do you think Eden would have been like? How much abundance would have come from its garden? Eden had to contain all human life and all the animals. Remember, it wasn't just plants. There were animals. Adam had to name them all. Would this have been a small backyard garden or one of substance? Well, think about this. When Adam and Eve get removed from the Garden of Eden and they have children, Cain and Abel, by the time Cain and Abel are old enough for Cain to kill Abel, there's a land of Nod where there were inhabitants dwelling. Where did they come from? If Cain and Abel were Adam and Eve's first kids. Well, they had to have been living in Eden. They had to have been earlier children of Adam and Eve. Because there was enough people for, them to go, for, for Cain to go down and dwell amongst. Well, Eden had to be a large enough place with enough supply where everything was provided for, every provision was provided for. All the cattle, all the sheep, all the goats, all the lions, you know, all of it. Abundance. God's first covenant with mankind was big and provided everything that was needed at the time. So that's how God's covenant is. It's designed to provide everything that is needed at the time that you need it. 
Now let's real quickly take a look at this, because we are talking not about greed, but we're talking about kingdom growth. Go with me to Ecclesiastes 5.10. Let's just, let's just get this out there before I get called a blab-it-and-grab-it preacher, you know, that's only interested in money. Ecclesiastes 5.10. It says, He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This is also vanity. See, if you love things, you'll never have enough things. If you love money, you'll never have enough money. Because that's the way greed works. Greed never has enough. It's never satisfied. But see, Paul said... I have learned how to be obeyed, and I've learned how to abound. I'm satisfied in all conditions of life. Why? Because your hope is not in the things that you possess. And because it's not in the things you possess, God is willing to let you possess a lot of things. Isn't that what happened with Abraham? 1 Timothy 6.10 It says, For the love of money is at the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith. I can say amen to that, even in this generation. In their greediness and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters, for he will either love the one and hate the other, or be loyal to one and disloyal to the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And that Greek word there, mammon, means wealth. You can't serve both of them. But you know what? You can have both of them. You just can't serve both of them. Robert Morris, in his book, The Blessed Life, talks about money and the test. See, money really is a test because it's just a tool. It's just, am I more in love with money than I am the kingdom? Am I more in love with money than I am listening to the Holy Spirit? What am I going to do? You can have both, but you can't love both. Because you'll love one and hate the other. So God, He restated His covenant and the wealth benefits with mankind many times. In the New Testament, because it was important. And he stated it over and over and over in, in um, the Old Testament. Why? Because it was important. He understood the power of influence, the power of wealth. Go with me to Genesis chapter 15 and 18. This is Abraham's life. And it says, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying... To your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. Now let me ask you a question. Is real estate something of value? Abraham had a lot of it. And where did he get it from? He got it from God. In Genesis 13:2, it says, Abram was very rich. No, he wasn't just rich. Abram was very rich rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. You know, so we could take a look at Abraham's life. He was very rich, and yet God made a covenant with him. 
And his riches then became the basis for Isaac's riches. Remember, Isaac is the one that in the midst of famine, it says that he trusted God and he still sowed. When everybody else was saving back all their seed and, and eating it and trying to last, Isaac, it says, he sowed in the famine and reaped a hundredfold. And what about Jacob, Abraham's grandson? We know the story of Jacob and, Jacob and, and Laban. How Jacob was ripped off, lied to, for 14 years. For seven years, he's married to the wrong woman. The woman he didn't, wasn't even promised to. But Laban slipped a fast one, so I had to get the, the, the oldest one you know, married off first. For seven more years, he, 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 he works for Laban, and God gives him a witty idea. We heard about that this morning. Gives him a witty invention. And Jacob's wealth becomes great, and he separates himself from Laban and, and goes back to reconcile with Esau. And it says that he tithed. See, he understood the principle of God. Money didn't have him. He understood the importance of using what God had given him for kingdom purposes. Amen? Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy means second law. In verse 18, the Lord says, And you shall remember the Lord, for it is he who gives you power. Now, I want to stop right there. See, God has given you power. What happened in the New Testament when the Holy Spirit came? God has given you power. See, God always gives you what you need. God gives us the ability. God gives us the power to get wealth. See, it is God who has given us the power to get wealth. He's not trying to hold it back. He hasn't said, hey, look, God isn't giving you any power. He just wants you poor and he wants you humble so you can be a good servant of God. No, he says he is the one, the Lord is the one who gives us the power to get wealth. Why? So that he may establish his covenant which he swore to our fathers as it is this day. See, there's a purpose for money. There's nothing wrong with you having two Cadillacs in the driveway. As long as those Cadillacs don't have you. I've generally driven luxury cars most of my life. I'm a business person. I want I wanted people to take me seriously as a business person. When I got into real estate, I went and bought a Mercedes. Now, did a Mercedes get me to and from just the same as a Toyota would have or a Chevrolet? Absolutely would have. A friend of mine used to say, clothes don't make the man, but they sure do present him. Right? God have any problem with me having a Mercedes? I've heard preachers talk down on Cadillacs and Mercedes, and it's just plain ignorance. Ignorance of God's word. It is the Lord who gives me the power to get wealth so that he would establish his covenant. The more money I made in real estate, the more money I had to sow into the kingdom. The more money I made in my businesses, the more money I had to sow into the kingdom. And because of that, for 26 years or so now, We've been able to be in full-time ministry, reliant on God, not on salaries of churches and, and ministries and, and hoping a church gives us a certain offering so that we can pay the bills this week. Nope. It is the Lord who gave me the power to get wealth. So his covenant would be established. 
so that I could be here today where he has called me to be. Amen? So, how does he do this? He does it by his word. One of my favorite scriptures, Joshua 1.8. Let's read it again today. Joshua 1.8. It says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. That means it should always be in your mouth. You should always be speaking it. But you shall meditate on it day and night. That means always meditating on the word of God. That you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then, see, it's the after the day and night. It's after the speaking the word. It's after the meditation. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have Good success. What is good success? Well, we talked about it. It's the kind of success that comes with peace. It's the kind of success where I can lay my head down at night and I can go to sleep. I don't have to visit uh, Uncle Jack or Uncle Bacardi. I can go to sleep in the peace of God. I can rise in the morning with peace. Go with me to Deuteronomy 28. In Deuteronomy 28.1, it says, Now it shall come to pass, oh, here comes that qualifier again, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord God to observe carefully a couple of his commands. No, it says all his commands, which I command you today, that the Lord will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. I guarantee you, if the church had all the money, if the church had all of uh, the internet assets, if the church had all of the real estate assets, they would also have all the political assets, and they would have a greater influence. But for so many years, we've teach, taught against the ills of having money, saying that money is the root of all evil, which is a complete lie that was concocted in the pit of hell to keep you from having any, to keep us from having wealth, when it was God's intention for us to have wealth. If you want to find out all of the beneficial blessings, go read verses 2 through 14. We're not going to do it for time's sake this morning. But I read it often. And I substitute my name. And I make it personal when I read it to myself. Why? Because this is my promised covenant. See, the word produces wealth. Proverbs 10.22. It says, The blessing of the Lord maketh rich. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich. Oh, I thought that Christians weren't supposed to have anything. No, the blessing of the Lord makes rich. And he doesn't add any sorrow with it. There's no sorrow with it. In Proverbs 22, 7, it says, Hey, the rich rule over the poor. The borrower is servant to the lender. See, God intended us to be the lenders, not the borrowers. He never intended for the, the, the church, His people, to be slaves. He, you were never designed to be a slave. To anybody but Jesus. 
Jude said, I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. He said, I willfully have made myself a slave to the gospel of Christ. We were never to be enslaved to anybody else. So we are supposed to be ones who are rich. Why? So that we can give into every good work. Think about this. When God's people left Egypt, when God called them out of Egypt, what did they leave with? They left with the wealth, the gold, the silver. See, that's how it should be when you leave a situation. You should be leaving with the wealth. Sometimes we forget this, but you know the New Testament contains a thousand references to the Old Covenant? There's a thousand references in the New Testament to the Old Covenant. Why? Because the Old Covenant hasn't passed away. So when we look at all these blessings that are, that are here in Proverbs, when we look at them in Psalms, when we look at them in Deuteronomy, when we're looking at these, these are, these are part of our New Covenant. These are part of our new promise. Go with me to 2 Peter 1, 2, 2 and 4. So let's look at some things from the New Testament that the Lord has said. Here in 2 Peter 2, 1, 2 through 4, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you, here it is again, in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, getting to know Him. And His divine power is given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. Who called us by glory and virtue, by which you have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these you may be a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. See, knowing him, his word, his covenant, is how we exchange or how we ex uh, uh, get exceedingly great and precious promises. That's how we get wealth. God is looking for opportunities to get wealth to you. And it seems like many times in the church, we're doing it, we're, we're saying over here, well, you know, uh, um, I know God blesses me over in, in this area, so spiritual, but I don't want no money. And so when a blessing comes at us, it's like we hold up our shield and, and deflect it away. The wealth of the ungodly was saved up for you, the righteous. And yet we keep turning it over to them. We keep allowing them to build big buildings. They put Bank America, Wells Fargo, Chase on. Because most of the body of Christ is enslaved to them in debt. So we need to know his word. In Luke 5, 1 through 11, we're not going to go there, but Jesus shared with us how being obedient to the word will bring you net breaking, boat sinking increase. In Matthew 25, 14 through 27, Jesus told the story of the talents and said how important it was to get engaged in the financial area of life. In fact, as the one who hid the money, what did he say of him? Jesus said that he was a wicked and evil servant. See, most of the church have fallen into that class as wicked and evil servants because they've been hiding. They've been trying to, to not take anything. When a blessing comes at them, they feel embarrassed. But see, we're supposed to be seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So that all of the things that we need in life, all of the, 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 the garden provisions would be fulfilled in our life. So that we have something to leave as a legacy to those who come behind us. Because see, legacy 
is about what is left for those who come after. Whether it's the those in the body of Christ, whether it's a spiritual legacy, or whether it's your natural children, there is a legacy. What you leave behind. And it is important to God. That's why wealth is so important. And that's why it's easy to flow here in talking about legacy. Go with me to Hebrews 11.2. Let's talk a little bit about the legacy. In Hebrews 11.2 it says, For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. See, a legacy leaves a good testimony. That's when you can look back and go, you know what? Grandpa poured into my life in this area. He left a legacy inside of me. Grandma did this. Mom did that. Dad did that. My great-great did this. He built a, a, a this for me. He left a legacy. He was a preacher of the gospel. He left a legacy. He came over you know, from another world and, and, and left everything behind in order to build a legacy for our family here. See, it's the good report. And we have spiritual. You can go through Hebrews chapter 11 and read of the good report. In fact, is, um, I want to read Hebrews 11, 1 through 6, but just as I do, I want you to know our covenant is designed to leave behind a good or a faith testimony. We should be leaving that behind. And that can be financial. That can be spiritual and what we pass on to our kids. It can be our, our life's work. In Hebrews 11, 1 through 6, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. We know that the worlds were framed by the word of God, and the things which are seen were not made by things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, for which he obtained a witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gift. And though he being dead, think about that, though he being dead, see, his legacy still speaks. His actions still speak. Will your actions still speak? By faith, Enoch was taken away, and he didn't see death. He was not found. Why? Because God had taken him. But before he was taken, he had this testimony. That he pleased God. How did he please God? By faith. He left that testimony. He left that legacy. But without faith, it's impossible to please. You know, in the original Greek, it just says, it's impossible to please. The hymn, the God, it, depending on your, it's not even there. But without faith, it's impossible to please. Why? Because faith is what activates everything in your life. It's what, it, it's what your words activate. It's your faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, that's legacy. See, that's, a, that's what faith does. Faith will leave that legacy. That's why as, as we're talking, uh, uh, you know, here about these, the, the conveyance here of the New Testament, these five areas, we see the power of legacy, what it, what it does. We, I am living in the legacy that my forefathers left behind. See, Hebrews verse 1 through 40 has the word faith used 25 times. That means in over half the, half the scriptures that are broken out there, the word faith is used 25 times. 18 times it's, it's used by faith. You know, Frank, by faith. Thor, by faith. You know, it's by faith. 
Doris, by faith, that's how life is. And when it communicates about legacy, it says by faith. By faith, Daniel stopped the mouths of lions. By faith, Noah built a boat. Didn't even know what a lake was, and yet he builds a boat. By faith. See, covenant leaves a legacy, one of faith, and it's comprised of everything we've been talking about. It's spiritual. That covenant of faith is spiritual. It's our salvation. It's our relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's our peace. It's our healing. It's our wealth. And it's our legacy. In Proverbs 13, 22, it says, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. See, the wealth of the sinner is stored up for you so that you can leave it as a legacy, as an inheritance. You can leave a spiritual inheritance. You can leave a legacy of of peace. You can leave a legacy of health and healing. See, why? Because you can train up your children. You can train up your children the way they should go. So when they are your age, they won't depart from it. They'll hold on and be building a legacy themselves. In Psalm 78, 4, it says, We will not hide them from our children, telling to the generations to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He has done. Just a couple more scriptures. Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. And these words, I command you today, shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You know, whether my children act on the word or don't act on the word will not be because they didn't hear the word. It will not be because they weren't taught the word. It is not because they weren't shown the word. It's not because they didn't experience the word. Because we're in the legacy building business. In Psalms 145.4 it says, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. See, we as believers can do that whether they're our natural children or not. We can declare the mighty works of God to those around us and leave a legacy. Jesus said in Matthew 6.20, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves don't break in and steal. See, leaving a legacy is about impacting future generations with the life that we have now. And it's part of our covenant. It's part of the covenant that God has given us. We can make a difference. We can make a difference in the lives of those around us. We can inspire the next generation. And we can transfer this covenant. We can can share the benefits of this covenant with our children, with those in our areas of influence, so that the kingdom of God is advanced. We're living in a country where there still is hope. There is still a hope that this nation will turn back to God and remain a Christian nation instead of becoming just another secular nation. See, that's what makes America exceptional. Is that we were started by by believers. 95% of the founding fathers were believers. 
We went over that when we talked about the political season. We talked about great men like Benjamin Rush. We talked about guys who, who, who very few people have heard of. We talked about George Braniff, and, and we talked about Finney, and we talked about all of these people who influenced the shaping of this nation. It's not too late for us to leave a legacy for generations to come that America will continue to be that nation that's a light shining on a hill, that will continue to have influence. But we have to understand and act upon the covenant that we have. Amen? You have been listening to a recording from the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center with senior pastors Scott and Tina Whitwam. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me now. Jesus, according to Romans 10.9, your word says, If I confess you as Lord and Savior and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that you would come into my heart and I would be saved. I now confess and believe that you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, please contact our office so that we may rejoice together with you. Call Valor Christian Center at 480-545-4321. That's 480-545-4321. Or by email at info at valorcc.com. That's info at valorcc.com or by mail to the church address at 3015 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona, 85296.